Cyrus the Great propelled the ancient Persian Empire to the status of the world's first superpower, 550 BC. And at the zenith of this Persian Empire, we find the story of Queen Esther. In the Old Testament book of Esther, we read how King Ahasuerus, also known as Xerxes I, had banished his wife from the palace for disobedience. Actually, he banished her from the empire. And then he organizes a beauty pageant to find himself a new queen. Enter a young Jewess by the name of Esther, who just so happens to be the prettiest maiden in the land. But no sooner is she installed as the new queen, her cousin Mordecai, who is a member of the king's court, sends her a message and tells her of a plot by Haman, the king's right-hand man, to annihilate all the Jews in the kingdom of Persia. Slide one, please. Esther chapter 3, verse 8. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the people in all the provinces. That was 127 provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from other people's, and they do not keep the king's laws. The bigger the lie, the more believable. Therefore, it is not fitting for the king to let them remain. Mordecai sends a message to Esther pleading with her to intercede with the king on behalf of her people. She sends a message back. Surely you know that if anyone, including me, approaches the king's throne room unannounced, and the king refuses to give them audience, the king refuses to hold out his scepter, they will be summarily executed. The king has not called for me in 30 days. Esther 4.13 And Mordecai told her messengers to answer Esther with this. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. But God intervenes and the king listens to Esther and uncovers the plot of Haman and the tables were turned on Haman and his many cohorts. The king gives the Jews the wherewithal to defend themselves and in the matter of two days 75,000 of the Jews' enemies are vanquished. 
We're about to see a similar reprisal in Jerusalem today. All the current enemies of the Jews will be wiped out in a single day. Millions will die on the hills of Israel. Get familiar with Ezekiel 38. It'll take the Jews seven months to bury the dead. And we, like Esther, have come into the kingdom of God for such a time as this. We have the responsibility of warning all we meet of what day and what time this is. We were made for these days. Satan has raised up formidable enemies of the Jews for time immemorial. There was Pharaoh in Egypt, then Haman in Persia, more recently Adolf Hitler. In 1912, a young Adolf Hitler decided to tour the Hofburg Treasury and Museum. And in the treasury, he saw the Spear of Destiny, a religious artifact that was purported to be the spear that lanced the side of Jesus. Great men through the ages had possessed this spear. Herod the Great, Constantine, Otto the Great, Pope John the Twelfth, a steward of the Hofburg treasury, made a note of a visitor one day in 1912. His name was Adolf Hitler. He said, this young man just kept staring at the spear. And eventually he started to teeter back and forth. It seemed he was in a euphoric state. And eventually he said, I want that power. Later this same steward wrote, I am convinced that that day, at that moment, I saw the demon possession of Adolf Hitler. Do you realize it took Adolf Hitler only six years to come to power? From his first public speech ranting and raving about how fierce and debilitating were the reparations that Europe forced on Germany for World War I. He spewed and preached hatred. But from that first speech until he invaded Poland, six years, just six years. If we call ourselves Christians, God has called each of us to be the town crier, to issue a clarion call that the time is short and now as scripture says, now is the day of repentance. 
And I know the moment you introduce Jesus into the conversation, there are those who will look at you like you've been drinking the Kool-Aid. Those who will call you delusional. Did you notice uh, <clears throat> the young man, the, uh, he's a, a rookie quarterback for the Houston Texans. And uh, sadly, they lost yesterday. But uh, last week, uh, his interview went viral. And every question the reporters asked him, he responded with glory to God. He said, uh, God has given me a pulpit, and that's more important than football. He mentioned Jesus with almost every sentence. The next day, they took all that down, just couldn't stand it. Just couldn't stand somebody preaching Jesus when they're supposed to be talking football. Slide two, please. But remember what Jesus said, Matthew 24, 37 through 39. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, before the flood, the people who were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and sweat them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Soon and very soon, the door to the ark we call the rapture of the church, it will be closed, and those who fail to enter will perish. And some of those may very well be our family and friends, so we must speak. We must be the town crier. But salvation is not your job. Hot newsflash. Salvation is not your job. Your job is to plant the seed, to be the town crier. But if you don't preach, if you don't speak, how will you console yourself when you're safely on the ark, standing on the top deck, looking out all of those who are lost and drowning in their rebellion. How will you console yourself? There's a 2,600-year-old 2,600 prophecy, Ezekiel 38. I've been preaching to you almost nonstop for several months. Here it is again, slide three. Therefore, son of man, prophesy against Gog. Who's Gog? Gog is the name like a president or a premier. But his empire is that of the ancient Scythians. And as I've told you before, if you go to Russia today, if you go to Moscow, they're very proud of their Scythian heritage. Give God this message from the Sovereign Lord. When my people are living in peace in their land, then you will rouse yourself. You will come from your homeland in the distant north with your vast cavalry and your mighty army. And you will attack my people Israel, covering their land like a cloud. 
at that time in the distant future, 2,600 years ago, I will bring you against my land as everyone watches. Satellite TV, everyone will see it. And my holiness will be displayed by what happens to you, Gog. Then all the nations will know that I am the Lord. This prophecy is about to be fulfilled before our eyes. As I told you before, we are living, presently living, in Matthew 24. Slide four, please. Nation will go to war against nation. Little rocket man in North Korea is threatening to attack South Korea. It's every day. There's a new war brewing. Kingdom will war against kingdom. We're on the verge of being at war with China. We're already at war with the Russians and firmly entrenched in Israel. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But this will be only the first of the birth pains with more to come. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. If endurance was easy, you could buy it in the medicine aisle at Walmart. Are we willing to endure to the end? Do we have the strength? Do we have the courage? No, we don't. So where do we get that courage? Where do we get that strength? Hebrews 12.2 from the message. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed to that exhilarating finish line in and with God. Slide five, please. John 19. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. This is just before he goes to the cross. And to fill scripture, well, excuse me, actually he's on the cross. To fill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. Psalm 22. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It's so fascinating to me that Hitler thought that the spear that had killed Christ had power. 
Jesus said, no man takes my life. I lay it down. Father God took his life. No spear. It was the day of preparation and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath. And a very special Sabbath because it was Passover week. Do you realize on Passover week there were a double there was a double Sabbath. Sabbaths on Saturday on Passover you had another high holy day, second Sabbath on Sunday. Jesus was raised from the dead on the high holy day, which is also the festival of first fruits. This is why we Christians call our Sabbath Sunday. Christ was raised from the dead. Continuing to verse 31. So they asked Pilate to hasten the deaths of those on the cross, to break their legs. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Christ. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. So they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear. And immediately blood and water flowed out. The blood that flowed from Jesus' side is our salvation. The atonement for us. The water that flowed from his side was the majesty of his divine being. His spirit flowed out of his being and flowed into ours. His death gave us life. There's no way that's a fair exchange. The creator Sacrifice for the created. No way that's fair. Slide six, please. 1 Corinthians 15. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. You take away the cross, you have nothing. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. King James says Christ is the first fruits of those who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Can I hear an amen? Chuck Swindoll. Father God was satisfied with the death 
Jesus' death for sin. And therefore, if you find yourself in the Son by faith, He is satisfied with you. Can I hear another amen? We call that amazing grace. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, give us your strength, your courage, your fervor. We live in a world who wants to relegate Christ to that of just a man, a very influential prophet, a man of wisdom, but not the Son of God, not God in the flesh, not the perfect sacrifice. Help us revel in the cross, Lord. The cross provided our salvation. Jesus' sacrifice on that cross secured the forgiveness of our sins. Without the cross, we have nothing. I love my Catholic friends, Lord, but... Uh, I refuse to wear a cross around my neck that has Jesus still on that cross. My Jesus came down from that cross. My Jesus conquered that cross. And through Him I have life and life to the max. Life abundantly. Because He conquered that cross. Father, this week, I pray that you will impress upon our hearts, through your Holy Spirit, impress upon our hearts how imperative it is we share our faith. Make us courageous. Give us your courage. Give us Christ's courage. He was always preaching to the Pharisees, those naysayers, those who refused to believe. We've got Pharisees in this world. We have people who refuse to believe. Give us your courage to stand strong and not to waver from the truth. To share our faith. To share our life in you. Make it so, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessings to you all.